0: Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's start here. I have a lot of scriptures to read, but we will get through it, and God will help us. We have three weeks to do this, so wherever I get to, we we'll just continue next week, all right? First Corinthians chapter 7, I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse number 16. Please look on the screen. We're using the Passion Translation. Here we go. Now for my response concerning the issues you've asked me to address. You wrote saying it is proper for a man to live in celibacy, perhaps. But because of the danger of immorality, each husband should have sexual intimacy with his wife, and each wife should have sexual intimacy with with her husband. A husband has the responsibility of meeting the sexual needs of his wife, and likewise a wife to her husband. Neither the husband nor the wife have exclusive rights to their own bodies, but those rights are to be surrendered. Somebody say surrendered. surrendered. Surrendered to the other. Those rights are to be surrendered to the other. So don't continue to refuse your spouse those rights except perhaps by mutual agreement for a specified time so that you can both be devoted to prayer. And then you should resume your physical pleasure. I like the word resume because resume sounds like something you do regularly. Say amen to this. All right, you're not yet happy. You'll be happy very soon. Okay, so it says resume your physical pleasure so that the adversity cannot take advantage of you because of the desires of your body. I'm not giving you a divine command, but my godly advice. I would wish that all of you could live unmarried just as I do, yet I understand that we are all decidedly different, with each having a special grace for one thing or another. So let me say to the unmarried and those who have lost their spouses, it is fine for you to remain single as I am, but if you have no power over your passions, then you should go ahead and marry, for marriage is far better than a continual battle with lust. And to those who are married, I give this charge, which is not mine, but the Lord's, that the wife should not depart from her husband, but if she does, then she should either remain unmarried or reconcile with her husband, and a husband must not divorce his wife. To the rest I say, which is not a saying of the Lord, if a brother has an unbelieving wife and she is content to live with him, he should not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and is content to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been made holy by his believing wife and the unbelieving wife has been made holy by a believing husband by virtue of his or a sacred union to a believer. Otherwise, the children from this union would be unclean, but in fact, they are holy. But if the unbelieving spouse wants a divorce... Then let it be so. In this situation, the believing spouse is not bound to the marriage, for God has called us to live in peace. And wives, for all you know, you could one day lead your husband to salvation. Or oh, husbands, how do you know for sure that you could not one day lead your wife to salvation? Glory be to God. Can you set my time, please, so that I don't preach? And You know, I, I, I've been on break for two weeks. You are living dangerously if you don't set your time for me. All right, so this morning, like I said, we're starting a brand new series that we've called Wisdom for Marriage, and um, I thought of putting a caveat here so that single people don't feel left out of this, okay, because you might hear Wisdom for Marriage and think Wisdom for Marriage is just married people stuff that they want to talk about, but the truth of the matter is the people who are going to benefit the most from this message are probably the single folks, Uh, because you see, you still have a choice to make, Uh, ask the married people, you still have what? A choice, you still have a choice to make, that's a good place to be. When you still have a choice to make, it's really, really a good place to be. So there's something for everybody, for singles, for married. We'll talk about different things. And if you're single, you have enough time to learn and to grow off the job. So you're not learning on the job. You're learning off the job. Because marriage is a bad place to learn on the job. Yeah, it's not a good place to learn on the job. It's a very, very dangerous place to learn on the job. So this morning, I want to. My, this title is very, very weird, but I've called this message, and you'll see it in the scripture when we read it, The Extra Challenges of Marriage. Yeah, some people are like, okay, here we go. <laughs> the Extra Challenges of Marriage. I saw that phrase in the scripture, and I thought, yeah, this is very, very correct, because you see, marriage is, is different. Marriage is different. Re- relationships generally take work, relationships take work, relationships take constant work, they are like um, one of the first cars that I had when I was just fresh out of college, okay, I had this car that we were not really sure of the color, it depends on the angle at which I'm driving and the direction of the sun, sometimes it's blue, sometimes it's green, sometimes it's, you know, it just depends on a lot of things, and there was a time where I, I needed to drive the car just holding the door, because the door was bad. There was another time where all the lights on the car were constantly on. So somebody would come into my car and say, your check engine light is on. No, don't worry, it's always on. Yeah, you'll be fine. You're good. There's no problem here. You know, and some, some people, that's the way marriage is for them. They are married, the check engine light is always on. Yeah, because they have not bothered to work on it for a long time. And they just assume that because it's, it's still running. After all, the car is still working. So why do I need to bother myself with it? But that's the way it is. There's always something to fix. In a marriage if you are in a marriage and you feel like you don't have anything to work on that's very dangerous oh that's very dangerous it means that the issue has not come to the surface and sometimes what happens is that because we are avoiding confrontation we're avoiding conflict we're avoiding discussing these things we sweep things under the carpet and we put makeup on it so there are a lot of cosmetic marriages where things look nice on the outside especially when you see you see their pictures i mean you saw the one that had my wife and i in the picture very nice you know, and you look and say, oh, my God, look at them. Sweet couple, delightful. Ours is even good. Some people, the wife is pecking the husband on the cheek. Pastor and, and their picture, and they're, oh, 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 this is good, this is good. Oh, you know, but sometimes, you know, some of those things don't really tell the real picture. Yeah, they don't paint the true picture. And, and this is why it's very dangerous, because sometimes then you hear that, oh, this pastor or this person that you respect says they're they are going their separate ways. And then you step back and be like, What? how i thought i thought they were so happy no because you were looking at their instagram and look it, this is very dangerous in 2023 there i just don't want to mention people you know openly but the truth is there are people that you'll be talking to them like this let me just code it the way i want to say it you'll be talking to them on the phone you are resolving conflict between the husband and the wife and you check instagram five minutes ago they have a post inside the elevator where they are kissing and they say quickie in the elevator Ah. and you look at it and say five minutes and you call them What's going on? They don't mind that idiot. Ah, And you look at their thing. Five minutes ago, quickly in the elevator. What's going on here? Because there is a, there's an image that people want to portray that doesn't reflect you know, the real situation of things. So this is what we want to do in this series, that you are not in a cosmetic marriage. Because what happens is when you, when you avoid the flaws, that's what makeup does. It just covers the flaws. It doesn't remove it. If you want to remove it, you, you, there's another type of work that you need to do. Yeah, there's a different kind of work. So we don't want to have cosmetic marriages that are just, you know, everything just looks nice. Some of the things I will say will make you very uncomfortable. That's why I came down. Okay? That's why I came down here. So that if you want to punch me, it's very easy for you to punch me. There's no space here, even. All right? You can do whatever you like. But I will have a duty to make sure that if you come out of this, this house, that in spirit, soul, and body, you are healthy. In every single area of your life, especially in your marriage, because you see the attack that the enemy is waging on marriage now, I can't even begin to tell you that. So let's just move on, all right? So the first thing that I want you to remember from this series, before we even get into our point, is that for any marriage to work, it takes two. Two to make it work. You say, oh, but pastor, what about God? It takes three. No, 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 God is constant. No, God doesn't change. He's constant. His will concerning marriage is clear because marriage was his idea. That's clear. So for for it to work the way it's supposed to work, the two people must be in perfect agreement that we want this marriage to work. We want it to work and we are willing to put in the work that it takes. So, you must agree to work together and work together in agreement. Those are two things. So, first, you agree to work together and then you actually work together in agreement. That's why I like the way this translation puts it. Amos chapter 3 verse 3. Look at what it says. Will two people walk together? unless they have agreed to do so. Do you see that? So, when two people want to work together, they have to first agree that we are... So, just like my, my wife and I, when we were about to get married, we said to each other that the only thing... Look, you can be angry with me. you can We can fight. you can do whatever... I do. People, couples fight. That's, that's normal. But the one thing that we're not going to do in this marriage is get out of it. So, whatever happens... Whatever happens... We, we said this before... Before, of course, you know, I mean, maybe I've told you a story, I haven't told you. I, the day I asked, I asked her out for the first date was, marry me. It was not that we dated and I said, okay, I've, I've seen enough now, let me propose. No, no, there was nothing like that. The first date, I said, marry me. And <laughs> she said, you are crazy, I'm not marrying you. <laughs> but here we are, 10 years later. <laughs> okay? So, but, but the point here is that we, we, we agreed from the beginning that if I she's sit down there, she's not very happy with me, she's not smiling. Because we, we, we fight. It's not like we don't fight. But the one thing that we will not do, or that you will not hear come out of our mouth, is, I'm going to leave you. Never. Not one day. Not even when we were halfway across the, the sea. Huh? And there was a period where almost three months we were not even speaking to each other. But the one thing we had agreed from the beginning is that there's no going out of this thing. I'm not going anywhere. So whatever happens, you can be angry. Walk through the kitchen, don't greet me. Do like That's your problem. When I get to the table, there must be food to eat. <laughs> okay? So let just make sure that life is going on. But we will not say that we are living this marriage. So you have to make up your mind from the beginning that you want to work together. And the both of you are in agreement that this thing has to work. Otherwise, if one person is the one putting in all the effort and the other person just thinks, eh, whatever, whatever happens. This is why, again, you can't be a judge. And you have to be very careful. When you see people's marriages, uh, people come out and say things like, oh, we're not together anymore... Please don't judge anybody. I beg you in the name of God. Don't don't say anything. Look, if there's something that my pastor in Nigeria taught me, he said this to us one time. He said, anytime you come out, especially publicly, and you declare judgment over somebody concerning an issue, guess what? Your own test is coming. Yeah. Because he said, judge not so that you will not be judged. Your own is coming. I'm telling you, it's just around the corner. And that same thing is going to show up in your life. Because where you are right now in your marriage, you might look at it and say, everything is so good. I could never even conceive the idea of leaving this person. That's where you are right now. Look, this is, this is again, what uh, I learned this one from Tim Ross. He's one of my favorite preachers. He's no longer a pastor anyway. He has left the church. Imagine, you know, planted church seven years. says no more doing. He's now doing podcasts. Okay? It's, you see, 2023 is very... But it's not like he left Jesus. So Don't look sad. He did not leave Jesus. He just said, God said that season is over. Uh-huh. But here's what I want to even say. What did, what, how did I get to that? Okay, I want to say what he said, what I learned from him. So he said this, he said that when people get married, when you, when you are at the altar and you say, I do, you are saying, I do, to what you know about the person. But the commitment you are making is to what you don't know about the person. Do you see the difference here? Yes, you are saying, I do, because this person has been treating me well, this person is so lovely, they are so kind, they are so nice. But the real commitment you are making is that even to the person that this person has not yet known, the things that they, are, they don't even know yet, that they are capable of, that's what I'm committing to. Ah, my wife will do something sometimes, I'll say, Huh? Eh? Where did this one come from? <laughs> even me, I will behave in some way sometimes, and I'll be like, what? Like, what was that? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, Where did that come from? Because you are human, and we all have this tendency. So that's the commitment you make when you say, I do. That's, I want you to understand, especially when you're single now, to understand that this thing is not a joke. It's not flowers and cards and all these you know, things. It's work. There will be those days where everything will be so rosy, you will be like, oh my God, why did I marry this girl much earlier than this? Those days will come. And that's the the thing about marriage is that it's a a two-edged sword. It just depends on the work that you put into it. It depends. And the reason why the devil attacks it so much is because marriage is such a powerful thing. The Bible says, if two of you shall agree as touching anything on earth, it will be done. There is no other more powerful form of agreement in the world than marriage. Yeah. Because two people who are, who are intimate, he said the two shall become one. If the two of you can actually be one, there is nothing. He said there is nothing that you, that you touch on earth that will not be done to you. I'm getting ahead of myself, so let's just move slowly, okay? So if it was, me- if it was left to one person, marriage would be a breeze. you know. And I know you want to think in your mind, I'm not the problem, my wife is the problem. Or oh, my husband is the problem. <laughs> yeah, me, if it's left to me, everything will work fine. But I'm saying to you that that's not always the case. That's not always the case. So this is not a series for you to point your finger at your spouse. It's to check your own, your own self and to look at your own heart and say, okay, where is all of this coming from? So there are no new magical principles. There is nothing new under the sun. Look, everything I'm going to teach you is not, I mean, I've only been married for 10 years. 10 years is a lot for some people, but it's only 10 years. There are people in the room who have been married long, much longer than that. But here is the thing. There is wisdom in the Word of God. So what makes the difference is how well are you applying the wisdom that is in the Word? How well are you applying it? You might even know it. You might know it more than I do. But how well are you applying it? This is what we want to talk about. So the difference between success and failure in marriage is the commitment of two people who are thinking the same way. Two people who are thinking the same way and wants the success of the marriage as much as the other person wants it. You see why it's a lot of work? Because you can't even agree on the restaurant to go to. <laughs> if, if I, like my wife and I cannot even agree on the temperature of our, our bedroom. You know, she wants her side of it to be cold. Me, I, I'm, always, I'm always hot, you know, so it's, it's just oh, the other way around. You know, me, I always want the fan on, but she is always cold. You know, so, so, if, if you, you have two people that are living in the same house but can't even agree on that. So, you see why it's, it's such a challenge. That's why when you hear that, oh, this person, oh, they're they having issues, don't, don't judge anybody. I'm telling you, look, just look inward and work on your own. Because that's what the, the Bible says, that let him that thinks he stands take heed, lest he falls. It takes two people to make this thing work. So, again, I will use, uh, there's, a, there's a pastor that's coming to my mind now where people hear something like, oh, this pastor said, or is leaving his wife. And, and pastors are the ones that get you know, the big stick for, for this thing a lot. But the truth of the matter is if the wife of the... The people who actually know these people know that the wife said, I'm not doing again. The wife was the one that said, I'm not doing again. This pastor life, travel, 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 preach, preach, preach. I don't want. <laughs> and the pastor said, but me, I still want to remind you. He say, I don't want to do again. You cannot force her. Do you get what I'm saying. But people will look at, at the whole thing and say, oh, but pastor, you should fix you know, fix your. the minute you make that judgment, like I'm not for divorce, so trust me, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not for it in any way, but I'm, all I'm saying to you is, don't be the judge of other people's marriage, walk on your own, walk on your own, that's the whole idea, walk on your own, don't be the critic, don't be the judge, walk on your own, because guys, I'm telling you, people get to, to challenging places, people get to tough places, where you hear the conversations, you hear the, and you'll be like, ah, how are we even going to do this one now? Oh, God, you know, like Daniel, he said, give me three days. <laughs> Let me go and pray about this. <laughs> because you hear the whole thing and you're like, what? But if you, are not, if you don't do what I do, you don't hear those stories. So you don't really know. So please, I'm begging you, let's just focus. This, this series, look inward. Look at your own marriage and look at yourself, not your spouse. Don't, don't point the finger at your spouse. Look at yourself. Like my high school principal used to say, when, when we all start making noise in the assembly hall, say, don't tell anybody to be quiet. You be quiet and see a miracle happen. You know, a miracle will happen right away. Uh Because once you become quiet, everybody else will be quiet. But if you keep telling other people, be quiet, you are producing, you are multiplying the noise. So that's the way it happens. Now, it takes 100% from both parties. And this is why we talk about the fact that you should not marry somebody who is not a believer. Because the chances, (laughs) I'm telling you, even with a believer, it's tough. So when you now marry somebody who doesn't even believe what you believe, that's a completely different kettle of fish. Yeah, it's a completely different ballgame. So this is why we always hammer on this and we emphasize this. Both of you must see the marriage as your priority. I've started preaching, but I haven't gotten to my points yet. You both must see the marriage as your priority. Nothing else is your priority. Not even your children. Because guess what? Ask Grandma Cindy. Your children will grow up and leave you and your husband it will be the both of you that are left, right? Is that what it is? They will go and leave you alone. So you have to understand that that time is going to come. So you 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 treat your marriage as the priority, as the priority. It's not your, your career is not the priority. Your, the minute you make up your mind to get married, you are literally saying. And this is where it's going to get touchy because I will say something that you will say, ah. All I'm asking you to do is go home and check your own Bible, okay? When we read the next portion of scripture, you will look at it and say, ah, this is very. I don't know how to do In fact, let's let's read it. Because you will say, I don't know how to deal with this. What is this? <coughs> but it's scripture. So we'll read it. First Corinthians, I think is what it is. First Corinthians chapter 7. That same chapter that we're reading. But we're going to go all the way to verse number 25. Just give me a second to get here. All right. So, yeah, First Corinthians 7 from verse 25. Look at this. It says, now let me address the issue of singleness. I must confess, I have no command to give you that comes directly from the Lord. But let me share my thoughts on the matter as coming from one who has experienced the mercy of the Lord to keep me faithful to Him. Because of the severe pressure we are in, I recommend you remain as you are. If you are married, stay in the marriage. If you are single, don't rush into marriage. Can we chorus that together? If you are single... Don't rush into marriage. That's what he's saying. But if you do not get married, you haven't sinned. Please listen to this very carefully. It is just that I would want to spare you the problems you will face with the extra challenges of being married. My friends, what I mean is this. The urgency of our times means that from now on, those who have wives should live as though without them. Now he's talking about Jesus coming back and the rapture. And those who weep should forget their tears. And those who rejoice will have no time to celebrate. And those who purchase items will have no time to enjoy them. Because of this, we need to live as free from anxiety as possible. For a single man, please pay attention, guys. A single man is focused on the things of the Lord and how he may please him. But a married man is Pulled in two directions. For he is concerned about both the things of God and the things of the world in order to please his wife. We'll come back to that. And the single woman is focused on the things of the Lord so she can be holy both in body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the things of the world and how she may please her husband. I'm trying to help you and make things easy for you and not make things difficult but so that you would have undistracted devotion. Serving the Lord constantly with an undivided heart. Before we even finish, let me ask you a question. Based on what we have seen so far, how is it possible for you to have undevoted, undistracted devotion to God? Is it by being single or by being married? Is it by being single or by being married? Alright, I just want to make sure you are following me so that when I start to make my case, you don't say, oh, what are you saying, heresy? Heresy. Pay attention, okay? Just pay attention. Let's keep going here. Now, verse 36. However, if a man has decided to serve God as a single person, yet changes his mind and finds himself in love with a woman, although he never intended to marry, let him go ahead and marry her, it is not a sin to do so. On the other hand, if a man stands firm in his heart to remain single and is under no compulsion to get married, but has control over his passions and is determined to remain celibate, he has chosen well. I bet some of you have never seen this in the Bible before. (laughs) You are looking at me and saying, what? (laughs) So then, the one who marries his fiancée does well and the other who chooses not to marry her does... Let me tell you what he's saying, okay? He's saying that the only way you can serve God 100% is by being single. He said the person who is single only has one concern. But the person who decides to get married, now both of them are not committing any sin. There's nothing wrong with the two. If you choose to remain single, that's good. If you choose to remain married, that's good. But he's saying that the only way you can claim to be 100% devoted to God is by being single. The minute you become married, you are pulled in two directions. And that is not a sin. There is nothing wrong with that. Please tell somebody beside you, there's nothing wrong with that. Because, you see, and it's Christians, like very holy Christians that have a problem with this one. These are the people that have an issue with this. They feel like God and their spouse are in competition. You see the danger. They feel like their spouse is a threat to God. But they come to church and they sing, You have no rival, oh, you have no equal, oh, now and forever. Burger, you wreck. Yeah, yeah, your sister. Look, let me tell you, your spouse cannot rival God. Except you want to put your life in danger. Your spouse is not a rival for God. God is the one that instituted the marriage that you are in. It was God's idea. It's just like saying, uh, Jesus and God. Because what you don't understand is that the issue of marriage itself was God saying, I want to show the world an example of Jesus. And the church, that is marriage. So, if you, you are telling me that God is upset, when you wake up in the morning and you kiss your wife before you go and do your quiet time, you have to confess your sins before you pray. There's something wrong with you. Or let's even say you went into a full-blown worship session with your wife on the bed before you went to pray. If you don't understand that, God is with you. All right? And then you go and pray, then you now feel dirty. It's because you have been watching Hollywood. You don't understand marriage. Look, God, it's just like you saying that Jesus, God looks at Jesus and says... I'm jealous of Jesus, the way he loves the church. Can you see how petty that is? <laughs> that's, what, that's what you're saying. So you look at it and say, God looks at Jesus and say, Why does Jesus love the church so much? He's not giving me attention. He's giving the church all the attention. Why is he dying for them? Is it not the Father that sent him to die for them? So you see why that is. That is a complete. And I'm saying this. This is very important. Trust me. I'm telling you. I've had conversations where you hear people, and you're like, ah, Does this person even know what marriage is? That you think that your And this is where it comes from sometimes, is when you're single, and of course, I've been a youth pastor, so I understand this. We teach young people, singles and youths that don't let your relationship, don't let anything be more important than your relationship with God. We say that all the time. So don't let any relationship with any other person be more important than your relationship with God. That is good and correct when you are single. When you become married, huh? he said the two will become one. Look, this is what God actually wants is that not that you see your your wife as you are with your wife and you say leave me alone i want to go and pray you are disturbing me from praying then you leave her then you go god actually wants the two of you to come together that's what he wants do you understand this this is marriage so not that you see your your husband as as a problem or an (laughs) hindrance to your relationship with god no, he wants the two of you to actually work on it to the point that you can come together before him. Because when he looks at the two of you, he doesn't see the two. He sees one. This thing I'm sharing with you this morning is very important. If you get this, ah, I'm telling you, if you get this right, and you guys can actually get to the point where you are one in that sense, you, that there's nothing hidden. Before. He said the two of them they were naked and not ashamed. So, if you can get to that point, I'm saying to you that there's nothing that you will ask God for that I won't do. Nothing. There's no, other, there's no other form of agreement that is more powerful than that. Say amen to this. Oh, I use so much energy to say that. <laughs> I hope it came out right. Because this is, this is mis- and, and, and I know people that are not, you know, really, really spiritual don't have this problem. Okay? This, this is for people like me who have, you know, it took me a while to get to this point where I understood that, come, 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 come. This thing cannot be correct. That's you know, that, that God is looking down on me, me and Dorcas, when we are, we are worshipping in the Holy Presence. You know, worship is a slang, in case you don't know yet. Okay? When I'm talking about marriage, worship is a, is a code. So, when we are worshipping and God is looking from heaven, that God is upset. that is looking and saying, ah, why are you doing that? <sighs> Do you know whose idea it was? <laughs> Do you know whose idea it was? It was God's idea. It's not your idea. You didn't come up with it. So this is the paradigm, and you have to get this, that this is not, you know, something that God looks at and he's so upset about it, and he's so mad, and, and he's saying, oh, why are you giving your wife more attention than me? You are actually, and this is something that Pastor Robert Morris and, and uh, Pastor Jimmy Evans taught for many years. And the more they say it, I, I, I fought it in my mind. He, he says it all the time. He says, you are serving God by serving your spouse. He says, I serve God by serving Karen. I would I look, I look at it. The first time I heard him say that, I said, what's this man saying? What do you mean by you're serving God? No, Karen is probably disturbing you from actually worshiping God better. That's, no, that's not correct. That's wrong. That is wrong. You actually serve God by serving your spouse, by honoring your spouse. If you're not ready for that commitment, don't get married. He said, if, you're, if you want to be passionate about God, 100%, oh, God is all that matters to me. And I've met people like that. When I was, I was single, I met people like that. There was one particular young lady who, I mean, if I mention her name, now some of you might even know her, she's, sing, she's a singer. She said this to me clearly, that I don't think I'll ever get married. So I said, I said don't confess. You know me and confession, we are party. I said, don't confess anything that you don't want to. So she said, no, 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 I know why I'm saying that. that because the, the, the way I feel about God, I, I, don't, I don't think I can share that with, with a man. And she's correct, because you saw it in the Bible now. God gives some people that grace that they don't even have the desire. That's why you say, I don't even have the desire for intimacy. They don't have it. Not me. Me, I have it in abundance. So I cannot be a, a celebrate. Uh, you get? I can't do it. I cannot. I waited. I didn't wait all those years, in my single years, to come to my and be celebrated. celebrate. No. I waited to explore and enjoy my life with my wife. But some people have that grace that they, they just know it, that this is my own, the way I want to serve God, I have to do it 100%. The only way to do that is to remain single. When you get married, you have to devote, He didn't say they have a choice, they devote part of their attention has to go to your wife. This is how you honor your marriage. Say amen to this. I can remember the last time I sweated like this. So if you're not, you not getting blessed, it's not my fault, <laughs> okay? That's all I'm saying. So let's keep moving here. <laughs> so you are either single or married. You, can, you cannot, you know, there's nothing wrong with the boat. Simply being married means that you cannot maintain 100% devotion to God and neglect your spouse. God is not petty. God is not a petty God. He's not, you know, looking for, you know, we have this image of God like just a tax master that is just waiting with a whip. Anything we do like this just wants to flog us. That's not the God I serve. He's not a petty God, okay? So he was the one who put you in that reunion for a purpose, for a reason. And Jesus also had something to say with this about this. So let's look at what Jesus had to say in Matthew chapter 19. What did Jesus have to say about this? Matthew 19, let's read from verse number 8 to verse 12. He said, Jesus said, Moses permitted you to divorce because your hearts are so hard and stubborn. But originally there was no such thing. But I say to you, whoever leaves his wife for any reason other than immorality, then takes another wife, is living in adultery. And whoever takes a divorced woman in marriage, is also living in adultery. His disciples spoke up and said, if this is the standard, then it seems better to never get married. They were speaking by the Spirit. Because there is a standard. And when they heard Jesus speaking, they said, ah, if this is the standard, then Jesus had to now mellow them down a little bit and say, look, not everyone is meant to remain single. That is the standard, but not everyone can do that. Only those whom God gives grace to be unmarried. Do you see this? This is where the, the, you know the church that I'm talking about, I just don't want to, you know the church, that they said that their priests cannot get married, right? They got it right. Where it went wrong is insisting that everybody has to go that way. There are people who have grace for that. And that is the only way to serve God 100%. As I am like this, I'm not serving God 100%. Even though I want to, I'm not. If I wanted to serve God 100%, what would I have had to do? You are following me. God bless you. That's, that's what I wanted to get. So by choosing to be married, I have chosen to serve God by serving Docker's and serving you guys. That's how I'm serving God. So when God wants to measure me and what I'm doing for him and whether or not I'm doing his will, he will look at both how I'm, I'm serving him, my devotion to him, and how I am serving others. That's how I will be judged. Because he said if you are, if you are, you are keeping you know, uh, bitterness with your spouse and whatever, and you, you are treating your spouse, he said don't treat the wife of your youth. Like if you are treating your wife badly and you go to God and you are praying, he said even your prayer will be hindered. <laughs> so what it means is that if, if for instance, doctors and I are not speaking, then I go to God in the, early in the morning and I'm lifting up holy hands. So I lift up. Oh, Father, I just love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. If I am actually worshipping the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, the first thing He will say to me is go and make peace with your wife. That's the first thing He will say to me. Except it's another Holy Ghost somewhere else. <laughs> that I am, that I am actually, if it's the same Holy Spirit, the first thing He will say is... Go and make peace with your spouse. Because everything you do after that, huh, is just like you are just hitting a brick wall. This is why it's so dangerous and also so good at the same time. Because the other side of it is that if, if me and her are in perfect harmony and perfect agreement, and I go to God and I'm praying, there's nothing that I'm asking God for that I will not do. Oh, do you see this? This is so good. This is so good. And this is why marriage is so powerful. This is why it's so powerful. So you get into it, you have to understand that these are, these are all the sides of it. These are all the dynamics of it, and it is, it is how you approach it, the work that you put in. So it's not a thing where you guys are checking who is right and who is wrong. Who is the you, are the you are on the same team. You are on the same team. Your spouse is not the enemy. Oh, I wish there was a better way for me to say this. <laughs> Your spouse is not the enemy. They are not the issue. They are not you have one common enemy, and the both of you have to come together and fight that enemy. Don't we'll fight each other. Don't we'll see each other as the problem. See, you, you, are the, you are the problem of my life. If only you were not here. See, and we say those things, then when it actually happens, then we realize, oh my God, what have I done? Because you don't know the value of what you have until you lose it. And then when the effect of your words finally come to pass, then you say, oh, I've been left alone. What happened here? So please, I don't want you to hear this and hear condemnation, okay? I don't know what stage of life you are at. Whatever the situation is, there is... Look, the best time to, to, to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. So let's start from today. Let's start from... Let's forget about what we didn't know. Like, okay, maybe I didn't take this seriously before. From today, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? God, God will forgive anything that has happened in the past. That's the God I serve. It's not, it's not a God holding a whip and saying, you did this, you got it wrong. You, you, no, 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 that's not God. He wants to give you, his mercies are new every morning, every single morning. So he wants to give you a fresh start. But you have to understand that, he's going to give you another opportunity, but you must take it with seriousness. Understand that you are, when you are in a marriage, you are actually representing God. You are representing God. God wants to show off with your marriage. He wants, like he did with Job, he wants to show the devil and say, look at, look, look, at, look at Christ and the church. That's literally what he wants to do with you and your husband. He you say, look at Christ and the church. Can he say that about you? Let's keep going here. So, marriage is a mirror. It's a mirror of Christ and the church. You need to understand it. It's different from when you are single. So, your marriage cannot take God's place. We say that, uh, and it now becomes, oh, oh, my, my, my spouse is rivaling God. No, no, no. Your marriage actually gives glory to God. Simply by you being married and working on it, you are actually giving glory to God. You are representing God. So, let me run through my three points. Number one. I said the extra challenges of being married is what we're talking about. So the first challenge, and I I want you to hear the word challenge, not hear it as the problem (laughs) of being married, but a challenge that you have to rise to. That's what it is. So the first one is this. The first challenge is the challenge to keep talking. That is the first challenge you're going to face in marriage, is to keep, are you awake, to keep talking, to keep talking. There's something we say in law enforcement that you have the right to remain silent. I'm sure, I'm sure Grandpa Wayne knows about that. <laughs> and, well, whatever you, whatever you say or do will be used against you in the court of law. So you have that right to remain silent. But in marriage, you don't want to use that right. No, that's not a right you should use when you are in marriage. Because if you use that... Look, as far as the both of you are still talking, it doesn't matter whether you are upset or you are not upset. As long as you are still talking, there's hope. When you stop talking, that's when there's a problem. So every time you... And, why do you think that is, the, that is the easiest thing that you want to go back to, first of all? Why do you think so? Because the devil knows how powerful that is. So that is the default mode that you want to go to. <laughs> the minute they do something wrong, the first thing you want to do is silent treatment. Let me just... I will show you that I don't need you. Is that what you want? Do you understand? Is that what you really want? So you say, yeah. You, know, you, think, you think I can't do it without you. I'll show you. So you start. And then... After some time, this is how people f- grow apart. That after some time, like, you have lived you know, so many days, you are eating, nobody asks you whether you are eating. You know, and you are eating. You, are, you get, your life is going on fine. After some time, you look at it and say, ah, what do I need you for? I'm fine. I'm fine by myself. That's why you hear people say things like, oh, we grew apart. Or we now have irreconcilable differences. Which is an excuse for I have reached my limit. I don't want to do any work anymore. I'm done with this. So we have, to, we have to understand that the first thing is, this is the challenge. Honestly, this, the first challenge is, can you keep talking? As simple as it is. <laughs> this, is the, this is the biggest problem. <laughs> can you just keep communicating? Just keep talking. If, even if you feel like, oh, if, if I, what I, whatever I say, if I say it, huh? if I say it the way it is really doing me, they will leave me. <laughs> say it, because that, that will open up the wound, and then you can, you can work on it. That's, because otherwise, you will just keep bottling things up, you will cover things up, you will, you know, and one day, one day, when the right thing is said, the right button is pressed, everything will come out. And when it comes out, you look and say, ah, where has all this been? <laughs> that, have you felt, how, you know, have you heard people say that? that how long have you felt like this? <laughs> have, you, have you felt like this for all this? I you say, yeah, I'm just looking at you because I don't want to say anything. You know, so this is very, very important, all right? So when you stop talking, the enemy has you. This is why this is easy. This is always the easiest thing. As long as you are still talking, there is a chance. There is a chance. Make the sacrifices necessary to keep... Okay, to keep... If you are away from yourselves, I mean, when my wife and I were still in courtship, our own was Skype. Your generation is better now. You can just pick up phone and FaceTime like this straight. Before I talk to my wife and see her on video, we have to schedule, (laughs) schedule the time and and schedule the internet because of the country that I was living in. God help the country. Very wonderful country. No internet, nothing. So you have to go and find the place where you can get the internet and get everything. And, And it was such a challenge. But in 2023, you don't have an excuse not to be communicating, not to be talking. And you have to, look, this is the thing. You have to prioritize your spouse. Give them, this is how you honor your spouse. Give them the priority. I know you want to have your, your phone on silent because you don't want anybody to disturb you. But how will your spouse know that they are special to you? You separate them. You separate them. No, there's nothing you are doing. I'm telling you, you are serving God by serving your spouse. So there's nothing you are doing. You're not like, I'm busy. You know I'm, I'm busy. I don't want anybody to disturb me. You don't want anybody to disturb you, including your spouse. There's something wrong with that. Yeah, something is wrong with that. So this is how we honor our spouses. You, you prioritize them and make them feel like you are important to me enough to separate you from everybody else. Give them a special ringtone on your phone. So that if by mistake, like some of you have, have been with me, one day, like, somebody I, I picked up for the first time, my wife called and she, and she saw on the screen, my queen. And I could see the smile on his face. He was like, oh, 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 look, she doesn't always act like my queen all the time. But I do that to remind myself of who she is, yeah, that this, this is the daughter of God that I married, I have to treat her like a queen, so that's how you, you, you make them, look, 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 marriage is work, well, I'm telling you, it's work, it's work, you have to give it that attention, that desire, that's your priority, it's not that you, 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 you just, you know, and, and this will happen, after some time, when you have been married for a while, you start taking each other for granted, you say, why do I have to dress well, you know, like I'm dressing well today now. It's not for you. I'm not dressing well for you. I'm dressing like this so that this image will stay in her head. So that when we go home, she will see the image. And, ah, this handsome man of God. That's the plan. That's the real plan. So don't think it's you that I'm dressing for. <laughs> okay? That I went yesterday. I went to get, you know, get my edge done. Get, did grooming, did everything. I'm, I'm packaging for a purpose. So don't tie wrapper up and down the old house and just be doing anyhow. Like, what's, what's your problem? How long have you been? my Five years. What you are telling us is that I'm tired of, of working on it. That's what you are saying. I just be loose everywhere. I just be losing. Eh, not to go to bed. You can't even, can't even take a shower. Just to make sure that you smell good. That, that you are desirable. That's how we honor our spouses. I saying, what, who am I dressing for again? Uh, have you not married me? You have married me now. <laughs> so what am I doing? <laughs> oh, I think I'm going to get in trouble after this message. <laughs> Okay, so one of the ways that you give your spouse permission to talk to you is by not getting mad when they talk to you. So it doesn't matter what they say, right? If you are actually, you are actually giving permission, it means you can say anything. This place is safe. I'm not going to, I'm not going to judge you. Hey, eh? You know, like, like you get in the, in the room and you tell your wife something. Hey, man of God, you. Ah. <laughs> are you really a man of God like this? <laughs> so you're supposed to be the safe space. And this is another golden rule that I always like to, to practice. I, I don't always get it right, but I do my best. It's this. If there's something that happens to you, make sure that your spouse is the first person you tell. Don't try to... Don't have a conversation with somebody else about something that has happened to you before your spouse knows about it. In 2023, you don't have an excuse. Text message. That is my own love language. It's text. So if I send... Like this morning, I was mad at Pastor Okay, because if I send you a text and you don't reply in 2023, the worst you can do is just emoji it and, and do thumbs up. That's the worst. <laughs> Even Grandma Cindy, I can't send her a text and she will not do thumbs up for me. <laughs> so you don't have an excuse, <laughs> you know. So that's the, in 2023, you don't have any excuse. You send a message, just put it there. There are many times that my wife will send me a message that I was close, scroll, scroll. The message has not ended. Ah, I say, I know that this one is an too. So I know that what she's trying to do is just to inform me. So that something doesn't come up later on and I say, ah, oh, but, ah. Or that you're having a conversation with somebody else and they mention something and you, you'll be like, eh? I didn't know that. You know, that's not honoring your spouse. That doesn't show that, you know, you guys are giving yourselves as priority to each other. All right? So, um, let me see what I can skip here. Some of these things I've already mentioned, so I'll just keep, I'll skip a few things here. Uh, let's go to point number two. Number two challenge. The challenge to keep it 100 That is the number two challenge. The challenge to keep it 100. And when I say keep it 100, I'm saying to stay honest. So, there's something we used to say when we started this church is H-O-T. Honest, open, and transparent. That's how you keep your marriage hot. Honest, open, and transparent. And this is a challenge in marriage. To keep things honest. Not to to, um, color the truth. I don't want to say you are lying. I'm saying that you color the truth... Because you want it to land softly. You don't want them to feel bad, so you color the truth a little bit. There's nothing quite like honesty in a marriage relationship. Because you see, in a marriage, your greatest asset is not a house. It's not, is not a car. It's not even your kids. I'm telling you, trust is your greatest asset in a marriage. Trust. And the way to build trust is by honesty. That's the only way. It's by being honest, being open, being sincere. Not, don't, don't have secrets. Like, you can't be married for... for, for let me, In fact, I'm just throwing myself under the bus, okay? Let me continue to use myself so that it doesn't sound like I'm talking to anybody. You can't be married for 10 years and still have secrets that your spouse doesn't know. There's something wrong with that. That is why you find that our trust will now become something that is almost like... I'm, I'm trying to be careful today, Okay? I've gotten into enough trouble by that first part, (laughs) so let me just keep going. So it takes honesty to build trust. You all are smiling at my expense. It's me and doctors that are going home. Mm -hmm. Then she will ask me all the questions. I still want my lunch to be complete, and I want the thing that accompanies lunch afterwards. If you know, you know. So they may. You you guys are too holy in this church. I don't. I don't know believers. You are too. I don't know what your problem is. Why are you so holy like this? No. Look. This is the mindset that I'm trying to change. Is this mindset? Look, let me tell you, eh? Should I say what I want to say? Go ahead. No, your go-ahead self is like go ahead at your own expense. <laughs> that go ahead is like you are on your own. <laughs> go ahead. At your own peril. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. So don't keep secrets, okay? You may think you are being smart, but your spouse is not a fool. Yeah, you may think you are being smart. Look. There are things that your spouse knows that you think they don't know. They're only waiting for the right time. It's like a weapon in the armory. (laughs) You think they don't know, but they know. They're just waiting for you. So it's in your best interest to actually be open. Because people are not fools. You can only go so long by keeping a secret. Let me show you in the Bible, okay? Luke chapter 12, from verse 2 to 3. It says, everything hidden and covered up will soon be exposed for the facade is falling down and nothing will be kept secret for long. This is the Bible telling you. There's no secret. You can be, you can keep it. Look, the, the, the best, in quotes now, or the worst that will happen is that you'll keep it for many years. But the longer it, it's kept a secret, the more the effect when it finally comes out in the open. Yeah. So it might be hard at the beginning to open up and say, okay, this is actually what happened. Let, let's get mad for this, for this time and let's fix it. Let's work on it so that as you go along, things, are, things get better. The truth may hurt, but it actually sets free. The truth sets free. Let's keep going. Luke chapter 12, let's, keep, let's read that scripture to the end. It said, whatever you have spoken in private will be public knowledge, and what you have whispered secretly behind closed doors will be broadcast far and wide for all to hear. So, embrace truth. I was going to say uh, John chapter 8 verse 32. Let's read that too. For if you embrace the truth, it will release true freedom into your lives. So, I mean, truth is, you can say the truth will set you free, but it says you have to embrace the truth. Yeah, you have to embrace it. And let, let your spouse be comfortable enough to tell you the truth and not feel, you know, feel like, oh, I'm going to be in trouble if I actually say this. That is the safest place you want to be, is in your marriage with your spouse. Point number three, let me tie this up. What is the third challenge? We'll talk about the rest next Sunday. Like I said, we have, we have three weeks to go. The challenge to spend time together. That is the, that, this is a 21st century challenge. Yeah, it's, it's, because you can, actually be, you can actually be in the same house and not be able to spend time together. This is a challenge, and you have to rise to the challenge. Is by making out the time, prioritizing each other. This is the whole, the whole thing here is prioritizing. Because there will be other things that will be telling you that I'm more important than your spouse. Your job will tell you that. Your career will tell you that. Your education will tell you that I'm more important. Look at me, I'm more important. If you don't pay attention to me, you will fail. You will not have money. Pay attention to me. (laughs) They'll be showing you that. But you have to always remember that I'm serving God by serving my spouse. I'm serving God by serving my spouse. That is, that you always have to remember that. And the more you remember that, the more you understand that I have to make time for this. Just the way, I know some of you will look at me as, maybe this pastor is not saved. But the truth is, the way you make time for your quiet time is the way you should make time for your spouse. That's, that's the truth, because that's, that's what we have seen from what it says. Some of you say, ah, no, God and my spouse are not on the same level. You have not been listening to the message. <laughs> if you are still thinking that way, you, are, you have not been listening to the message. I'm saying to you that you are on the same team, and God is on that team with you. There's no competition. God is not mad that you are giving your spouse attention. Say amen to this. Amen. All right. Say another amen. Amen. All right. Okay. The second one is for confirmation. So, this is more of a 21st century challenge. Spend as much time as possible together, make deliberate efforts to be around each other. One of the things that my, my wife and I try to do is that we don't spend days apart. I mean, we, 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 did, we had a long-distance relationship, so we made up our minds that, oh boy, we're not doing this thing again. <laughs> oh boy, is Nigerian colloquialism for... I can't even find it. Which one is the right English that can... You know, see, it, it doesn't, it's not the same. Uh-huh. There are some things that... That's only, you know, it's only unique to Nigerians. Like, oh, like if a Nigerian says something at the end, there must be oh. <laughs> Just for effect. <laughs> <laughs> or ah, ah, eh, hey, hey, eh, we shout a lot. So when you hear some of those things, <laughs> it's when, when I'm not really conscious of myself <laughs> that they come out. All right, so make deliberate effort. Um, you may love each other. You may be committed and loyal to each other, which is what we say love is. But you can get to the point where you are no longer fond of each other. Where you no longer like each other. How many of you love your mother-in-law? You love your mother-in-law. You better say amen. Uh-huh. But some of you don't like your mother-in-law. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. You don't know. Believe leave us You are so holy. I like you guys. <laughs> like means that you want to spend time with the person. Yeah, that's what it means. That you are fond of them. That they are, they are eating their dinner. You want to sit beside them and have a chat. That's what liking someone is. Being fond of them. So you, it's not just to love. We, we spoke about this when we did this series last year. That, that compatibility and chemistry are two different things, but you need the two. You need the two. So it's not just to, to say, oh, I, I, I love them, which means that we know you love them, that we, we know that if it comes down to it, you know that you don't want to lose this person. <laughs> you are, you, but we're saying that you have to be fond of them, and the way to do that is to actually spend more time with them. I, I, told, I, I told people all the time when I, when I, was, uh, I was writing actively, you know, and I was, I was publishing books. I used to say it all the time. They asked me, we go for writer's conferences, they would ask me, how do you write? I said, the best way to write is to write. The best way to learn how to write is to write. The best way to learn how to preach is to what? Is to preach. Whether you are preaching to an audience or preaching to a mirror or preaching to a camera without anybody in the room, the best way to learn is to do it. So the best way to learn to spend time with your spouse is what? Spend time with them. Yeah. So whether whether it makes you mad, it makes you you will you will learn. You will learn, you know, what, what works and what doesn't work. But avoiding them will only make the distance wider. Yeah. Avoiding them will only make and I know sometimes it's the easiest thing to do. This is why you see that marriage is marriage is, is genius. It's God's perfect genius. It's God's genius for the very thing that marriage is supposed to do is what we are running away from. So we get to a point where you are confronted with something about yourself that needs to change. So at that point, you have a choice to say, am I going to walk on this and change this? Or am I going to run away from this and go to another one? (laughs) Do you see that? But when you get to that point, that is what the marriage was actually meant for. Because it was supposed to make you holy, not just to make you happy. So you get to that point and you say, ah, this is too much. I'll run away. But guess what? When you get into another relationship, at the beginning... Every relationship is pleasant at the beginning because you are only being introduced to the person that they want you to see. I'm preaching good, guys. I'm telling you. Look, you are only, the person you are, you are, you are the person you are, oh, 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 that is the person that the person wants you to see. <laughs> One day, you will get to the other side of it. You will meet the person that you didn't bargain for. And you know the stats. They say it's that if you check out of one relationship and you go to another one, there is a more, more. it's not like it's guaranteed, but the chances increase. Because now you feel like, oh, I've done it once, what's the big deal? So the, the reason why I'm, I'm preaching like this with all of my heart, like my passion, I'm, I'm exhausted as I'm preaching this. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying this with all of my heart like this because I want your marriage to work. I want it to work. I want this house to be a house where people will say, if you attend Believer's House, your marriage will work. Yeah, that's what I want. So so we have to understand that there are principles, and God is not a respecter of persons, but He's a respecter of principles. All right, let's tie it up. So don't take each other for granted. That's what we've said. Do the little things. The things you would do when you were trying to win them over, those are the things you have to keep doing in marriage. Those are the things. So the little, little things. You, You give each other gifts. Don't say we don't have money, it's not in the budget. Shut up. Shut up. Because when you were when you were cutting, even though it was not in the budget, you found a way to buy them a birthday present. Didn't you find a way? You found a way. Because you know that if you don't give that birthday present, you will marry the other guy. (laughs) So even if you have to go and borrow money from your dad, you found a way. (laughs) Because where there is a will, there's a way. Don't give me that. Don't give me that. There's no money. Or, like some ladies, you know, when we were younger, ladies used to buy boxers for Valentine's Day. Valentine's is on Tuesday. Don't try it oh, in this church. Oh. Don't buy any man a singlet and boxers oh, and say, Valentine present. You package it. No, don't do it. Uh-huh. But you, 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 and just uh, look, let me say it this way. There are things that, if something matters to you, you prepare for it. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say to you. If something really matters to you, you prepare. You plan for it. Say, okay, my wife is going to be, you know, this, there are times that I've bought my wife gifts that, in fact, there are times eh, that I bought her gifts that there's one gift now. God, God, thank you, Holy Spirit. There's one particular gift that I bought for her. She has not even opened it. The gift is still there somewhere. <laughs> I walk past it every day and I see it there. And in my mind, I've bought her gifts before that she opened and said, I don't like this. <laughs> She's sitting down there, ask her. But it will not prevent me from the next day I'll go and buy another one that is more expensive than that. She will look at it and say, How much is this? That's your problem. This is coming from my own heart. Do you understand? Because, ah, if you give her a gift, the first thing she wants to know is the price. <laughs> yeah, so you, because she's an economist. <laughs> that's what she studies. So she, that's the, the first thing is what is the price? That's your problem. Me, I'm the one buying you. It's not your money, it's my own money. <laughs> so all I'm saying to you is that, guys, let's, let's appreciate one another. Let's treasure your relationship with your spouse. Treasure it. Value it. Show that you are, you know, this is what matters to me. Because you are serving God by. Some of you don't want to say it. Whether you say it or not, I've delivered the message. Okay? You are serving God by serving your spouse. This is very important. So don't spend more time with anyone else than your spouse. If you, if you happen to, because you walk with somebody or you do whatever it is, you have to make up for that time with your spouse. Otherwise, you become more fond of that person than your spouse. And that's a danger. That's a big, big danger. So I hope with these three points of mine, I've been able to convince you and not to confuse you. Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.